You're listening to Death of the Reader. This is Herds, and this is our review of the murder mystery equivalent of doing our taxes. In 10th place for this year, Agatha Christie's The Body in the Library achieves a place within the top 10. The prestigious placement this year, bringing us the second full book appearance of her famous detective, the humble yet deadly Miss Marple. Now, when I first sat down to read The Body in the Library, the only context that I had to Miss Marple as a character was in how I knew Hercule Poirot. When Poirot was eccentric, Marple was simple. When Poirot was foreign, Marple domestic. I knew her only as the less exciting of the two detectives, and as such, my expectations were not wild with excitement, exactly. What I was not expecting was just how charming Miss Marple and the novel as a whole would be, a story revolving around the titular body in the titular library, but I was not expecting just how charming Miss Marple and the novel as a whole would be. The story revolves around the titular body in the titular library, a woman found dead in the morning by an unsuspecting household of seeming no relation to the poor girl. As this is a Christie murder mystery, we are primed to suspect an elaborate connection, a plot which ties all things together, one which makes all the chess pieces line up like ducks for Mr. Bantry to shoot. What's truly fantastic about the novel is the contrast between the simple English countryside characters epitomized with the Bantry household, complete with husband, wife, and servants, those who found the murdered body in the first place, and the wilder town side of the mystery. We are primed from the get-go to choose and pick sides as the characters accuse and banter with each other. The game afoot further underlined by the set piece, the central set piece of the night that the murder girl went missing, a game of bridge and a nightclub. There is an intellectual game being played here as well as a social one as the hostess assigned to the table of guests and suspected murderers alike attempts to keep them satisfied throughout the evening. We even have a nice split in the, the police force assigned to the case, and Chrissy touches on the politics that exist between the police of the city against the police of the country. Jurisdiction is the word of the day, and seeing the two sets of police rub up against each other in a game of friction adds some interesting flavor, even if Honestly, Miss Marple could just solve the entire mystery without their help at all. And it's about time we let the rabbit out of the hat. Christie must have realized in the writing of the novel that Miss Marple is the murder mystery equivalent of a grand cannon. Fire her once, she'll take out the competition in one swift blast of genius. How then do we continue the intrigue of the story and prevent her from giving the game away too early? A locked room. Metaphorically, at least. Marple appears a couple of times before the halfway point in the novel, but she barely has time to recognize her that murder is committed before she disappears for no particular reason. When, when she returns in, it is at the behest of a detective tied closely to one Conway Jefferson, the, the guardian of the now-identified murdered girl, Ruby Keane, and the one who initially reported her missing. Marple wastes no time at all in solving the case based on scant clues and impressions of the characters that she meets. And impressively, Christie uses clues that would only make sense for someone like her to notice. Christie makes a poignant political statement about the all-male police force and their inability to perceive the truths that are outside of their own lived experience. Charmingly, not only do the kid gloves come off once Marple takes charge, but Christie seems to have a wonderful time playing with Knox's eighth. Quote, the detective must not light upon any clues which are not instantly produced for the inspection of the reader. End quote. 
by placing her in the middle of conversations with high-profile targets discussing the hot-button issue of cross-country murder and, and barely having her say a sentence. Christy is always sure to describe her body language through narration. The way that Marple twists and turns her body, a raised eyebrow here or there. Whenever Christy drops important clues in conversation, we don't have the action interrupted to hear the detective thinking to us, aha, you've slipped up, I have you now. No, we, we see this old woman who wouldn't hurt a fly turn to look at someone square in the face, implicitly scrutinizing their expression for clues. She crosses her arms, squints into the distance, her ears perk up. All of these tiny changes in body language convey through the narration to the reader without interrupting what's going on, that she is having a reaction to what's just been said and that we should be paying attention. It's just not entirely clear what deduction she's reached, though she'll be sure to make an innocuous statement that you'll be kicking yourself for not paying attention to later on. The Body in the Library is a, a classic example of the golden age of detective fiction for a reason. Marble herself is the star of the show when she is allowed to shine. The murder mystery itself pulls off some clever twists and turns while staying internally consistent. Though, to be honest, the narrative is not the true draw here. There are some interesting underlying themes of trauma and opportunity for the underdog, which never quite seem to blossom. And the first half of the novel does follow a string of less exciting characters than Marple. Although I will say that Mr. and Mrs. Bantry, she who is conscripted as the Watson of this story, have an interesting arc as both this couple and the reader are forced to confront the unpleasantness of murder, something that Marple shines a spotlight on throughout the story. And Christy shows her interest in the ways in which we consume this genre and that maybe there's something deeply, profoundly wrong with us if we think that a business that both takes and ruins lives can be quite so entertaining. It is easy enough to recommend Agatha Christie's The Body in the Library for the classic Christie twists and one of the more uniquely characterized detectives in the genre. The book is out with HarperCollins if you'd like to pick up a copy. I'd recommend sitting down with tea and scones to enjoy this book, perhaps in your library if you have one. Just be careful of that bump in the night. You're listening to Death of the Reader. This is Hertz telling you to get subscribed to the Death of the Reader podcast on your platform of choice so you don't miss all the other book love from review season. And let us know, Athlex and Herds, about your favorite reads of the year. You're listening to 2SCR 107.3.